Can you preserve soft tissue in dinosaur bones for 68 million years? Learn about shocking discoveries in paleontology and where the evidence leads right now on Wonders Without Number. Dr. Ed Boudreaux is Professor Emeritus of Chemistry and Chemical Physics from the University of New Orleans and is the president of the Rocky Mountain Creation Fellowship in Denver, Colorado. Now, Dr. John DeMassa earned his PhD in organic chemistry from the University of Massachusetts and is an industrial chemist holding multiple U.S. and world patents. So if you would, please join with me now as we welcome Dr. Boudreaux and Dr. DeMassa. Welcome to the program. Thank you, David. Thank you, Absolutely. David. It's wonderful to have you here. Now, uh, you flew out from Connecticut. Yes, you did. flew out from Thank Denver. You. Uh, you're here with us today in beautiful Tennessee, although it's raining a bit outside. <laughs> but uh, tell me just a little bit about some of your research and then some of your work together. Well, we uh, had uh, looked at the possibility of what Schweitzer and her group had proposed as a stabilizing mechanism for these tissues. Okay. Um, and it's all based upon a, a concept called the Fenton reaction. Mm -hmm. And in the Fenton reaction, we have iron, which we need to start with in that reaction. And uh, then we also have along with that peroxide. Okay. And then we generate from that things such as uh, peroxyl radicals, uh, hydroxyl radicals, uh, and so forth. Um, now, those radicals are very reactive. Mm -hmm. And the idea they proposed was those would be the components that would stabilize the structure of the materials. Oh, okay. But we found out that certainly they're so reactive that there's no way that they could, you know, impart stability to anything because they would react to form something different. Wow. Okay, so when it comes to the dinosaur soft tissue discovery, uh, attempts by some to explain how that soft tissue could survive for millions of years, mm -hmm. uh, you've published a paper in the Creation Research Society Quarterly of this special iDino project, uh, which was a detailed report on these findings, including findings in a T-Rex Mm -hmm. femur bone, including findings in a triceratops horn, and you published a paper looking at the preservation and degradation of these soft tissues. That's what we want to cover today, and we want to hopefully break this down, a very complex <laughs> topic, and yeah. break it down so that we can all grasp it. Yeah. Let's hit the ground running and see where it leads. This is uh, maybe one of the most exciting discoveries, I would say. I mean, it, it's difficult to, to kind of put it into some focus or some comparative focus anyway. But this business of the discovery of the soft tissue, of course, we'll get into it, uh, sets against some of the uh, historic views, uh, I would say, paradigm of evolution. But we'll, we'll see how that is in a moment. Okay. So we really open with a question um, concerning the case of 68 uh, million year old soft tissue, really asking, is it 68 million years old? Uh -huh. We'll look at that. Uh, so what we'll do is provide the background of how we got to this point. We'll look at some of the fundamental um, evidence mm -hmm. and then the controversy. Uh, I have to say this isn't just sort of controversial in a way as it uh, maybe a creationist might uh, look at it 
um, this, within the community of evolutionists, mm -hmm. they're looking at it and they're saying, oh my goodness, <laughs> th this, is, this is really stirring the pot. And we'll see how that is and perhaps how it may even be causing a, a bit of mayhem. But again, we'll, uh, we'll look at that. But it's good because that's yeah. what scientific discovery is all about. A absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's very true. Yeah. I mean, science, uh -huh. science isn't afraid to, to take a tumble uh, with some of the evidence and, and try to explain itself. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Quite true. Okay, briefly summarize. How did this start? I mean, what we know that throughout uh, throughout the years, for a number of years, they were digging up bits and pieces of things that they believed might be soft tissue. But tell us what brought this into popularity. Sure. So we turn the clock back to uh, about 2003. Uh, Jack Horner and his team from uh, the Museum of the Rockies are in the Hell Creek Formation area. Um, this is Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Montana, and so forth. And they pull out a T-Rex. They okay. discover a T-Rex. Okay. So th that's really where we begin our little story. Well, what happened was that... Um, they remove the dinosaur. Of course, the uh, the bones well, the bones themselves are more a cast of minerals, and they're falling apart. They're friable. The okay. fossil is is very uh, fragile. They end up collecting a box of uh, of these crumbled uh, bones, bring them back to the laboratory on the stage steps. Uh, Mary Schweitzer, okay. working with uh, Jack Horner, she examines uh, what's they've now nicknamed Brex. Okay. They determine that it's uh, these pieces are from a thigh bone and more particularly the inner lining. Okay. They take the material, subject it to mild acid, and out uh, of from these uh, materials come the flexible fibrous clump of tissue. Uh -huh. and this is what they, they see there and undoubtedly they were startled with the discovery. Wow. Under the microscope, it looks like fibrous filled um, materials with blood vessel channels. Whoa, that's incredible. Yeah, quite mm. a discovery. So they are, so they're staring at this uh, material in the Petri dish and they're astonished. I wow. mean, that, that, that's really what happened. And um, as they looked at it, they were able to determine that it was an egg laying female. Apparently, okay. so uh, they they could tell quite a bit about the dinosaur. So here's a picture of the soft tissue and the bone from which uh, this was uh, derived. This is a very very large yeah. femur bone, the thigh bone sure. from a T. Rex. Yes, it is. And um, in Scientific American, there's a disclosure about the story leading up to the discovery. Schweitzer reports that they ended up publishing. Uh, these results. I mean, any scientist would publish these oh, results. Yes. They're startling. And uh, papers came out in 2007, 2008, and she said it generated a firestorm of controversy. Okay. Firestorm sure. of controversy. <laughs> this was, uh, was really the, the discovery of a lifetime. Now, um, the question became, what, and in fact, why is it a firestorm of controversy? Yeah. But how did soft tissue survive 68 million years? Now here I took a little picture <laughs> of my milk from the refrigerator. <laughs> it's got an expiration date on it. Okay. Everything degrades. You and should throw that away. That's, I, I, that, that's <laughs> a good, I will do just that. And. Um, but everything degrades, including soft tissue. Okay. And that's why this was uh, a controversy. And you're not talking yeah. about just, uh, we're talking about things inside the bone that were not 
fossilized, real soft tissue. When it was rehydrated, it was even stretchy in some parts. Correct. And um, at least some of the uh, accessible uh, video clips that you can get on it, it shows that this stuff is a, a little bit like a chicken wing. I oh, mean, it's, wow. it's that pliable, and it's, uh, so it's, it's quite a startling uh, discovery. Okay. Now, uh, the controversy. So as it turns out, uh, many uh, scientists looked at these results and they were as puzzled, amazed uh, as uh, undoubtedly the discoverers. Mm -hmm. Well, one uh, group uh, writes about this, dinosaurian soft tissue is interpreted as bacterial biofilms. Okay. So they say, surely this is not uh, actual dinosaur soft tissue. Right, this is right. a bacterial biofilm that is sort of growing the on slime. whatever yeah. that's, yeah. and that's the reason it appears to be sure. stretching. Yeah. Exa exactly right. Good so summary. what do you say? Yeah. Well, here is here are his his words. They say they represent this material represents bacterial biofilms like a sugary polysaccharide, okay. but a slime um, common throughout nature. Biofilms form an organic cast and once dissolved out of the bone mimic real blood vessels and osteocytes, which hmm. is what uh, Schweitzer and her group claimed. Okay. Yeah. The solution to this, do we, do we think, I mean this is sort of a, uh, a fringe view here because Schweitzer, many other paleontologists are now saying no, this is not a bacterial biofilm. Right. This is legitimate soft tissue. Well, she went back and did further experimentation okay. to show that you have to remove the concept of biologic Aha, uh -huh. okay. Yeah. So this was her response, as Dr. Boudreau pointed out, um, and but a scientist's response is not a quick response. Uh, she ended up uh, using new methods of analysis on Brex um, the soft tissue, and it's joined with yet another discovery, uh, a hadrosaur, a uh, hadrosaur remains. And this is published in 2009, mm -hmm. and it and ended up in the prestigious Journal of Science. And again, we see the same sort of thing, but there's a special piece of information we're gonna really focus in on. Okay. Same kind of thing though, we see microscopic pictures, uh, microscope-related pictures of the tissue and, uh, but as chemists, uh, Dr. Boudreau and I, we really want to see, well, wh what are the chemicals? Right. That kind of okay, let's dive into it. So let's, let's take a quick look at that. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries' Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreeves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. Um, what material did they find? 
Uh, they found what's known as uh, a, a polypeptide, more particularly uh, collagen. That's the type of polypeptide that they found. Shown here, it's a sort of a bundled polypeptide material. That's what was identified. Hmm. Now, the result of that was that, uh, of that discovery, was that it wasn't bioslime. This is genuine dinosaurian uh, tissue. Okay. And so all of a sudden, the, the controversy sort of faded in the sense that the, once the bioslime uh, proposal was removed, uh, there really was no room, if you like, for other kinds of things. This was tissue that had survived 68 million years. But this created an entirely new controversy because now that it was soft tissue, mm -hmm. how does that tissue survive? Right. Right. And she answers that and realizes that that really is where all of the, the trajectory of this discovery. Okay. For soft tissues and proteins to persist beyond one to three million years, which was a sort of the projected uh, view at that time, we proposed tissue fixation over time involving iron catalyzed free radical reactions. We'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. So she proposes a mechanism to explain how the soft tissue survived the, the right. alleged 68 okay. million years. Okay. So we'll, we'll try to take that up here. But the basic idea, and I'll let Dr. Boudreau answer, but it's the concept of a fixing agent. Mm -hmm. You have to have something to pickle the soft tissue <laughs> for a long period of time. This is what she came up with. It's known as Fenton chemistry. Yeah. Okay. This chemical equation here mm -hmm. is saying that you have some, some sort of uh, biological unit that contains iron, such as hemoglobin, myoglobin. Okay, it's naturally found in the blood, and so maybe, blood. okay. And then, but hydrogen peroxide can be present in aqueous form, and then that can catalyze a reaction to produce HO, HOO, uh -huh. and then water. Okay. Now, uh, the point being that those two units, HO, or HOO, are highly reactive, they're called radicals. And ah. the idea was, as I mentioned a little bit before, that they would somehow stabilize the fibers in the structure of this uh, collagen. Problem okay. is, we find out that those species react immediately and produce a new product with, with the amino oh. So we're, we're gonna take that up on yeah. the next slide, I believe. And this is what uh, Dr. Boudreau was pointing out, but, um, so how do these uh, radicals do what they do? And at least uh, here we have a picture showing that collagen molecules are coupled together, bridged, okay. bridged together. So the hydroxyl free radicals, you might look at them as the fixing agent. This is the pickling agent, and mm -hmm. it couples all of these materials together. And so the loose and penetrable collection of collagen is made toughened and impenetrable by the uh, the free radical fixing agent. Okay, that's so that was the proposal. That's, that's the proposal. The proposal yeah. Is uh, that perhaps could help preserve this? Correct. Right. Okay. Correct. That's the the view. Well, um, so let's test this out in the laboratory. She reasons, and, and again, any scientist, good scientist, would do Said just that. Yes, she does let's it. Let's do that. Let's mm -hmm. test it with normal bird tissue. Of course, it's believed that uh, birds evolved from dinosaurs, so not a bad choice. She okay. writes on the results of this, 
and um, she uses what's known as post-mortem ostrich blood vessels and exposes them to red, red blood cells, this, where the fixing agent ultimately is uh -huh. believed to, uh, to be or derived from, rich in hemoglobin, stabilize, and, and this is what she says, that um, these blood vessels, when exposed to hemoglobin, it stabilizes the blood vessels after two years. After two years? Yes. Fall cry. Okay. From 68 million. <laughs> right. We're going to look at that too because that, uh, when Dr. Boudreau and I entered into this uh, cooperative writing the paper, we were just struck, at least in part, by, you know, by this uh, assertion. Okay. So here was uh, at least before us, and we'll we'll kind of uh, look at these several things. But does this Fenton chemistry really explain the whole thing? What do we make of this two-year experiment uh, that is uh, allegedly uh, giving us evidence that something could survive 68 million years? Right. We brought up uh, something, we haven't heard any response to it, but the chemical marker problem, we'll talk about that, and the absence of carbon-14 uh, dating, and we'll uh, just touch on that as okay. well. So what about that? They took the soft tissue it was in the laboratory for two years. In yes. the laboratory for two years. Okay, so in controlled conditions right. for two years trying to trying to say, oh, we're accelerating this and extrapolating out what will happen. Can it survive? Right. right. Okay. Right. And um, so remember, now, now we have to pause and think about this for a moment. 68 million years, uh, the, the bones were allegedly in the ground for 68 million years in an open environment exposed to ranges of temperature, exposed to differing geologic uh, conditions, exposed to background radiation. Wow, yes. All, all of this is stressing the soft tissue, and the, so the question comes up, you know, are we really simulating correctly the, uh, the, the conditions? You would have groundwater yep. coming yeah. in and out. Oh, you yeah. would have yeah. freezing and, oh, and, yeah. and, and heat waves and all of this interacting sure. for, I suppose, 68 million years. Sure. Okay punishing the soft tissue. Yes. Well, then we bring up what's called the chemical marker, or if you like, chemical dipstick problem. Okay. How did, uh, okay, polypeptides are loaded with oxygen-sensitive materials. Yeah. And um, these chemicals on the collagen act as uh, a marker of right. sorts. If okay. they're around, uh, we ought to question whether the hydroxyl radicals were doing what they say that was doing, uh -huh. uh, uh, toughening the polypeptide. Okay, what molecules are we referring to? Uh, shown here are methionine, tyrosine, and histidine. These are all amino acids hooked on to this polypeptide. Mm -hmm. These are all oxygen sensitive, and they should have reacted with hyd hydroxyl or uh, these oxygen free radicals. Okay. They did not. Um, at, at least they did not report. Yes. Any evidence of them being found hmm. in their experiment? The evidence okay. that they reported show a f sort of a fresh uh, presence of methionine, mm -hmm. a fresh presence of histidine, mm -hmm. a fresh presence of tyrosine. This is very, uh, ought to have provoked a little uh, more question than it did, but uh, that really wasn't addressed in the paper. Wow, okay. Um, due to its strong reactivity, um, 
one would write about uh, free radicals and so forth with biomolecules. A hydroxyl radical is capable of doing more damage to biological systems than any other reactive organic species. That's right. this, is, this is all over the literature. Uh, in fact, Dr. Boudreau and I this morning were just talking about yet more papers that are out there showing how free radicals damage uh, and do not, uh, say, toughen them. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm breaking this down very simply. Yep. Tell me if, I, if I've got this right. The hydroxyl fixing agent, is there, they're calling this a fixing agent, saying that mm -hmm. perhaps this is one of the processes that help to preserve the soft tissue. Correct. However, if that was present, then it should have reacted with these others that we've just seen in, in a way that is not reported. Exactly right. That's right. Okay, and which is a major problem with this iron preservation theory. Yeah. We believe it is. Yeah. And um, so the conclusions are that, first of all, we brought up this two-year thing being a problem, but also we believe that they've overlooked the oxidation chemical marker issue, uh -huh. which we brought up in our paper. Uh, and then Dr. Boudreau said, uh, hey, John, you know, we forgot, we, we ought to also mention the carbon-14 testing uh, data is absent. They didn't do any carbon-14 testing. Wow. on the Now, this is qualified dinosaurian tissue. Yes. It's uniquely positioned to give us an idea on the age of the soft tissue. Okay. We, we, haven't happened this, we haven't seen any published data concerning its, a its age, carbon-14 data anyway. And this is something that you would expect that with the gravity of this discovery, even though they assume that all carbon-14 should be gone because they mm -hmm. assume that it has been around for 60-so million years, still, soft tissue would be the perfect candidate to have carbon-14 testing sure. done. And as far as we know, not any carbon-14 testing has been done on these samples. We haven't seen it. If it's out there, it's well, we, we'd in, like to see it, but, but uh, yeah. we, we just haven't seen it. That's wow. Okay. So we think the young specimen hypothesis, the idea that this is perhaps not as old as we're being told, uh, we think that this is a viable uh, idea. Echoes of the Jurassic, Discoveries of Dinosaur Soft Tissue is a brand new documentary detailing this discovery, but also looking at, um, well, the biblical perspectives, because uh, break that down for me in the last moment. If you, if you had one minute, what might these discoveries be telling us? If it's not 68 million years old, how were these dinosaur bones so well preserved? Well, I think the conclusion would have to be it's impossible to invoke 68 million years or whatever. Okay. I even a thousand years. Yes. Because we know that uh, these types of components degrade very fast, yes. quickly rather. And therefore, you would have to say, it's got to be young. Okay. I mean, it can't be any extended age. In fact, the younger the better because the tissue would be more preserved. Now, if we were to put an interpretation on this data from a biblical perspective, mm -hmm. mightn't we look to a historical event, what I believe is a historical event, the global flood of Noah's day? Sure, sure. You know, and, and you could look at that, and if I, I just might add that uh, if you look at the book of Job, there are these very interesting creatures, but there's one that comes up that is described as the behemoth. Now, okay. you could inspect the Hebrew and that kind of thing, but in the end, this animal is described as something that is walking around the marshes, has a tail the size of uh, Cedar the cedars of yeah. Lebanon mm. and so forth. And so we look at that and we wonder, is it possible somebody actually sighted 
a real dinosaur there. And now this brings it in range of even the results that we're looking yeah. at here. Yeah. It's not so much that these dinosaurs uh, are, are ancient, but it's rather the other way around. They're quite young, so young, maybe even people saw them, that, okay. that kind of thing. So if the biblical accounts are true, Right. then it appears that there may be representations of what we would call dinosaurs in the book of Job, behemoth, leviathan, right. some of these creatures. Mm -hmm. And if so, that means that they would have lived during the same time period as, as humans. Sure. Uh, if the book of Job, it, it, which indeed is an ancient book, but we're only talking about thousands of years, not millions of right. years. So that would actually place dinosaurs uh, in the thousands of years, that's in the range of soft tissue, is it not? Oh yeah. I think so. And, okay. it, and it moves it away from the effects of the total catastrophe of the flood. Okay. Which would be an intense amount of energy yes. you know, you know, to expose those things to.